Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale September 14th, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. Yeah, all right. Jasmine, a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff to get to. So but much. first, how are you feeling? A lot better. Thank you to everybody who reached out and wished me to get well soon. Um, I really appreciated it. COVID stinks. Try not it to does. get it, everybody. It really does. Yeah. But you know what it did allow me to do? Mm. Read a whole bunch of comics. Oh, I read yeah. so much like stuff on MU. Really fun. Yeah. Highly recommend. Very cool. Yeah. This is, of course, the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics, where we talk about all the brand new Marvel comics. Uh, we have many things to talk about, including our picks of the week for the new issues on sale this week. We're going to give out an award and talk about all the other comics on sale this week. We're going to let you know what collections are available. What's new on Marvel Unlimited from Infinity Comics, our scrolling vertical exclusive comics you can only read on MU. What else is hitting Marvel Unlimited this week? And of course, get into a reading club. What are we talking about this week? We are jumping on a plane and flying all the way to Tokyo uh, to talk to Ken Nimura about Spider-Verse Unlimited Penny Parker, which is the Spider-Verse Unlimited Infinity comic on uh, Marvel Unlimited issues 7 through 14. Yeah, so good. It is a a full story. Everybody should read it um, before we get into that chat because we do get into a little bit of spoiler talk going through that. Um, So get ready for that also shout out to once again megan moore and the marvel.com team for doing some articles for us you can read some behind the scenes things around our series here marvel's pull list over on marvel.com but it is time to get into our picks of the week first up is amazing spider-man number nine and look we we had a little bit of a debate at first we we're like we keep picking Amazing Spider-Man. Is that unfair? And you know, you know what we said? We're like, doesn't matter. It's a really good issue. Too good. Too good. We had to pick it. Uh, we absolutely love it. Now, this one is an interesting one because it is a tie-in to the Hellfire Gala. And the Hellfire Gala, of course, was released in July, but is now already on Marvel Unlimited. So if you want to read up the Hellfire Gala and see the moment that it inspires where this story comes from, you are welcome to go ahead and do that if you haven't already. Uh, and this one follows Peter Parker and Wolverine on the hunt for Mary Jane. But Mary Jane is not just Mary Jane in this story. She's a prisoner from someone real bad involved in some really nasty stuff on the X-Men side of things. And this issue is brought to us by writer Zeb Wells, Art by Patrick Gleason, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. One of the main reasons I wanted to talk about this, because of course, we've been talking about Zeb Wells a ton over the last year or so because of this run of Amazing Spider-Man and the previous one, and he's so good. He's just on fire with his Spidey books. But man, Patrick Gleason, he's been off from the book for a little while. This issue, I went, oh... I want Patrick Gleason drawing Wolverine right now. Oh yeah. Oh my God. There's a, I'm looking at a panel here of Wolverine and Spidey sort of like arguing and they're face to face and it's over Wolverine's right shoulder, kind of from behind Wolverine has never looked so like massive and just really intimidating and cool in a way that doesn't always come across. And the way that, 
Patrick draws him in action is brutal and intense and kind of in, in a bunch of ways reminds me of Adam Kubert and the hmm. like some of the 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 choreography, the movement, the the intensity that Adam brings to Wolverine and and look, I, maybe this is a hot take. Adam is probably the greatest Wolverine artist of all time. I think I would agree with that easily. All that said, you know, you've got incredible Wolverine action, but on top of it, Patrick has been doing amazing stuff on Spider-Man the last couple of years. There's lots of elements of Wolverine, but it is a Spidey book. It pushes forward some of the things that we've been like teasing about in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. What's going on between Peter and MJ? What's going on with Spider-Man and this new suit, his role, his life? But you get a little bit of that. It is a big action, intense, funny, driven book. And it is a friggin' great action adventure Marvel comic. It is what I want most of the time when I sit down to read a fun superhero book with stakes, with characters, with action, with emotion. It is all there on the page. Um, Zeb pulling in jokes, but also tugging at your heartstrings, pulling in side characters. You got Grey Crow in here, who Zeb wrote really, really well in the pages of Hellions for, Mm -hmm. you know, a year and a half. We get fun stuff with him in here. If you're an X-Men fan, I highly suggest you check it out. If you're a Spider-Man fan, I highly suggest you check it out. These are one of my favorite types of comic book issues where it's like I could hand it to anybody. And no matter if they've read comics, if they've been keeping up with it or not, like it's a great starting point. um, Whether you're an X-Men fan looking to get into Spider-Man or just looking to get into Spider-Man in general. This right here will set you up for the rest of what's what's happening in the world of Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, man, just flipping through it again. So damn good. All right. You know what else is so damn good? Axe Judgment Day number four, which is my first pick of the week this week. And okay, Before I get into it, I got to list out the credits because I can say a lot about this book right now, but I don't want to get carried away. But the book is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Valerio Schiti, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This book just keeps getting crazier and crazier, and this issue in particular has a very clear turning point in the event um, that's been going on for the past couple of issues over in the world of Avengers, X-Men, and the internals. The craziest thing is this one single issue gave me the same vibes of, and it's funny that you're wearing the shirt, Ryan, but it gave me the vibes of like Thanos snapping his fingers in Infinity Gauntlet where it's like something happens in this book, it's a huge revelation. It's one of those, I don't know how we're getting out of this, but I'm yeah. excited to to read the next issue to figure out what we how we do it. Come on, yeah. Kieran, bring it. It's a huge game changer, but also one of the things I liked about it is it reintroduces Star Fox. In issue three of the series, we, we got to get that tease at the end where we saw, you know, Star Fox might be a secret weapon that the Eternals could use to fight this war. But... We didn't really know how. I mean, like, especially for me, like, I was like, okay, how is someone who has the power of, like, persuading others going to save us here? But in this issue, we get to see that. And we get to see him, you know, work from the ground up. And I'm just digging his whole, like, character design. Like, Valerio is just having so much fun with him here. Giving David Bowie vibes. Giving Prince vibes. It's, It's so much fun. But there's also one other moment in this book that I don't want to spoil that was just like badass. And it leads us right into our next pick of the week. Yes, let's get right into it. My uh, next pick of the week is X-Men Red 
number six. And again, this is another one of those series where we we have a short deliberation before we start recording. Like, should we? Yeah, all right, we're going to do it because it's just so friggin' good. Oh, God, X-Men Red, written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Federico Blee, letters and production by VCs Ariana Mar. So I don't want to give too much away. If you are not fully caught up on Axe Judgment Day and especially the events on Araco, maybe fast forward a little bit. Just know mm-hmm. that you got to read this damn issue. Well, during the issue number five, Uranus put his hand, his arm through Magneto and pulled out his heart. The end of that issue was Magneto standing up with his chest glowing mm-hmm. and with this like defiant bit of dialogue. And it, it was just the most badass moment. It's oh, yeah. so cool. Another one of those, yeah, Magneto is one of the greatest characters we have. Believe it. And so, again, it's like, where do we go from here? What happens next? Mm-hmm. You, get a, you get information of how and why that happens. There's a great thought put behind it and how that functions. But before we even get there, the first couple of pages in this issue, the issue opens with a text page of a transcript of field recordings from a a human doctor from NASA sending his feelings and and thoughts about what he's doing back to NASA now that he's on Araco. And then it's one, two, it's three pages of his interactions with Iraqi children and some of the mutants there. There's so much done to build the world of Araco, their feelings, their character, the state of their race, what they've been through, what they will go through for each other. There's so much done in these four pages. So simply and deftly and beautifully, there's this like heartbreaking little conversation that this doctor has with two children. He's seeing a giant death machine murdering other people. And he's like, they went to fight that and they didn't come back. So when it gets here, I'm going to distract it so these two kids can get away. And one of the little kids, seemingly a little girl, probably I'm going to say eight. And then she's got another little like a little boy, maybe five ish, you know, by human years. And then she just goes, insult, Craig of NASA. (laughs) And he's she she refuses to run away and they will not retreat. They fight for each other. That feeling of community and for working for each other. And culture. Culture. It sort of transcends love in a way. It is just like a trust and a peace, even though Rocky are terrifying and dangerous when they want to be. And as said in here, it's like, look, they don't want to fight. But if you bring the fight to them, they will fight you. Mm-hmm. But they just want to live peacefully, man. It's cool. They're chill. Sometimes they have powers that vomit out metal and like, (laughs) you know, snakes or whatever. But otherwise, they just want to like farm and and share a good story at their table. Al Ewing, tremendous work. Again, these first four pages do so much. It's its uh, its own little story that like is a prelude and just gets you ready for what's about to happen. Yeah. And then it, it like that. The last part of that is Storm coming in with two other Iraqi mutants. And it's just, you feel her power. You get to see her unleashed in a way that we don't always get to see Storm let loose. There's beautiful moments there. One of the other things that we've been seeing in the pages of X-Men Red is little quick 
interstitials of various characters and how they're dealing with this invasion of Araco by Uranus and his, you know, instruments of war. My favorite one continues to be Nova, a.k.a. Richard Ryder. He's battling this giant ship and is, I am Richard Ryder. I am destroying the drone factory above Port Prometheus, saving countless lives. It took too long. I wasn't good enough. It's all up to me. It's all up to me. It's all up to me. It's like, all right, great. Al, write a Nova book. Yes, Boom. please. I was going to say, I was like, you could tell that he just, because this isn't the first time he's had Nova in his hands. And no. Like, he, it's clear he's a Nova fan. And like, I just want an Al Ewing Nova book. Yeah, there's various ones. You got Cable in here and Abigail Brand and various characters. The last one of this first sequence is I am Lotus Logos, metal, my voice, vengeance, my desire, as this character is literally just vomiting out metal, fighting for his people. This book is so freaking good. And we've talked about like eight pages of it. It's got Magneto fighting a giant, I don't know, synthetic gorilla monster <laughs> it's got metal things it's got uh revelations about the governmental structure of Araco. it is huge highs some deep lows great moments between storm and magneto and then the last page has just storm basically saying you know not on my watch and like oh. laying the thunder down it's so damn exciting it is beautiful on top of all that stuff. Yeah, we talked a lot about Al Ewing and all the, the great dialogue, the moments. It is not functional without Stefano and what he does here. There is a level of emotion that he puts into characters' faces. The, he, he draws eyes so, so well. There's body language that goes on, um, the action and intensity. The way Magneto is gritting his teeth with literally without a heart in his body. And and destroying something. I love this book so much. It's so good. Also, shout out to Sunspot, uh, oh, Roberto de Costa for oh, rocking man. his Cyclops New Mutant cosplay. <laughs> it's just it's so accurate and just so perfect. And I love it. Yeah, so look, you were sick. I was. I made the executive decision for our award name last week, and I stand by it. It is the great it's maybe the best award name we've had in a long time. Mm, I wouldn't say that, but it's pretty good. Uh, it comes from the pages of Wolverine number 24, and it is, I choose cold grapes and a hot mouth. And so the first person to find that in their stack was our pal Steve Agnew at Viking Prince, um, who said, enjoying the grapes of Wolverine number 24. Uh, Steve, I will reach out to you. Karis, I also owe an email for last week. Uh, we did have an email in here from Joe Hoffman, um, who said, you don't need to read this email on the air. Uh, and Joe, you did not tell us what to do. If I want to read this email on the air, I'm going to do it. You did say it was okay to read on the air. So I will, um, because he said, hey, Jasmine, I hope this email finds you feeling better and way on your road to recovery. I wanted to send you a little TLC from Kansas. He says that I hope you get to feeling better soon and you can get back on the air. Marvel's pull list isn't the same without you. Much love to all of you. I always listen to your podcast every week and look forward to hearing Jasmine back on the show again soon. Well, you didn't have to wait very long. No, because I'm way too stubborn to be sick. I like the way Joe signs his email. Proud ambassador for the United States of Marvel's pull list in the wheat state of Kansas. Beautiful stuff. I love to see it. Yeah. 
Um, but we do have also a new United States of Polist entry. Yeah, we have an email from Eric Hale uh, in Colorado who says, boy, howdy, do I love to see Gail Simone back at it with the variants. Uh, she's a national treasure and a great Twitter follow. Hard agree. I figured I'd also shout out not one, but two comic shops to fill in the map a bit more. I wanted to give a shout out to James and Jamie in J&J Comics here in Thornton, Colorado, uh, where you can always find a good conversation in an old school Dungeons and Dragons pinball machine. Mm. And I have to shout out my buddy Dave over at Heroes Comics in Norwalk, Connecticut. Dave's shop is the shop I started collecting at as a kid. And we're still great friends to this day, even after I moved away way back in 2009. I spent hours upon hours at Heroes every Wednesday for years getting into conversations about pop culture, society, cars, sports, gaming, and even <gasps> politics. I love that that gasp was written in, in Yeah, the, it's in just a gasp. It's awesome. The thing that always warmed my heart is we would typically have a gathering of seven or eight folks on those days, all from different backgrounds with different perspectives of different age ranges, and we could all debate, laugh, learn, from each other and ultimately build community all because we had a common bond over comics pulling us together. I think the world would be a better place if we could capture that sense of community and open-mindedness that we all had while standing around the shop in those days. Yeah, if everybody read comics, everything would be great. Yeah, read more comics. Now, of course, we have our quote of the week for this week. And it is, I am a gorgeous pile of secrets. Yeah, you are. Oh. Let's move on, because if you find this quote, which is, again, I am a gorgeous pile of secrets, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pulllist at marvel.com. If you're among the first, uh, keep your DMs open, keep your emails refreshed, and I will hit you back with something pretty cool. All right, but we'll be giving out that award to all the fabulous fresh floppies this week, starting with Captain Marvel number 41. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give my I am a gorgeous pile of secrets award to I'm going to give it to Hazmat, who comes who gets caught by Jessica Drew like mid taco as like Jessica Drew, Captain Marvel and Binary are all going to go fight a dragon. And Jessica's pretty much just like, what are you doing? Get in your suit and let's go fight this thing. And she's like. I'm I'm hungry. I'm gonna eat. Like I'm not on the clock, and like pretty much interrupts her taco eating just so that she can get pulled into the fight. And hilarity ensues after that. Like it's it's top notch. I love this book. Up next is Daredevil number three, and this book is so good. It could have been one of our picks of the week. There's a lot going on here. One of the things I love about it is Chip is now like pulling in threads from the previous series of Daredevil, not in a way it's like, you know, um, that takes away from what's going on here. It's actually pulling in threads as Daredevil, as Matt Murdock is pushing forward into this like big crusade with the hand and the fist and everything that's going on. Um, but in really cool ways, bringing back characters and elements. And uh, I love it. There's some great moments throughout, but I want to give my I am a gorgeous pile of secrets award to Mayor Luke Cage, who goes up against two very scary and intimidating people and it's just like nah you don't scare me uh he says i'm not fisk i'm actual power and i have friends with magic hammers boom walks away hell yeah all right next up we have edge of spider-verse number three and i've been waiting for this issue for so long because <laughs> ever since 
we got Night Spider announced. God. I've been obsessed with her. I wanted to know everything about her, and we have not published anything up until this point about her. And I, one, absolutely love her. I love this story because it's written by Dan Slott with art by Sumei Keskin. Everything from her origin to the way they incorporate Felicia that we know and the spider abilities and powers that we're familiar with in the 616 universe. It's just, it's perfect. It just works really well. It's it's funny. It's clever. Um, but I'm actually not going to give my award, my I'm a Gorgeous Pile of Secrets Award to Night Spider because I was actually more shocked and like now become more invested in Sakura Spider. So she debuted, Sakura Spider debuted in Deadpool Samurai, both volumes which are available now over uh, with Biz Media. It was so cool to get this new take and to see that little universe or that pocket of the of the Marvel universe or multiverse really expanded a little bit here. Definitely going to pick up those two volumes of Deadpool Samurai now. Now I'm very intrigued. All right, we've got Iron Man number 23 out this week. And uh, I, I really dig the crusade that Tony Stark is on here. He's basically like, there's this group that is selling the most dangerous artifacts, items, and weapons and I want to get them off those streets. And so he's just spending literal billions of dollars and putting them in a warehouse, which, hey, maybe not the best idea to put them all in one warehouse, but we'll get to that. We'll burn that bridge when we get there. I will say I want to give my I am a gorgeous pile of secrets to the trio of Iron Man villains who show up by the end of this issue. I was like, yeah, look at these boys. They're they're ridiculous. Love their costumes. I love their vibes. Uh, and I particularly love the weapon that the last one shows up with. All right. Next up, we have Midnight Suns, number one. This could have also been a, a pick of the week for me. It brings in a lot of different elements from the Marvel Universe. Strange Academy. Um, we have Blade and Agatha Harkness coming in. We have some of the X-Men coming in here and Runaways. And it's just a fun blend of all these different superheroes. And the thing that brings them together is so bizarre, but it's so fascinating. Um, but I'm going to give my I'm a Gorgeous Pile of Secrets award to Agatha Harkness um, in this book because she's she's just the best. And like the, what she does here is just the most Agatha Harkness thing I could think of. All right. On to Ms. Marvel and Venom number one. This is the final part of the trio of team up books that Ms. Marvel has had. She had one Ms. Marvel and the X-Men, Ms. Marvel and Moon Knight, and then now Ms. Marvel and Venom. And I want to give my I am a Gorgeous Pile of Secrets to the the full squad coming together in a really cool way with Wolverine, Venom, Moon Knight, and Ms. Marvel. It doesn't feel like she's out of place. She's just no. She's like a big time hero, even though the three of them are a little bit more R-rated-ish at times than she is. She still rules and stands toe to toe with them to fight some really bad guys. Also, a great place for any young reader who's interested in in some of these heroes to start. Next up, we have Predator number two. Okay, this book is so good. It's so much fun. So it follows Data, who's trying to get revenge for her parents' death by Predators. And in this issue, she has to go collect a bunch of parts for her ship um, to repair it. And I'm going to give my I'm a Gorgeous Pile of Secrets award to Krug. Because poor Krug. He was just, you know, doing what he was just protecting himself. All right, we've got Savage Avengers number five out this week. It is an end of an era of sorts for Marvel stories and for these runs of Savage Avengers in particular, I won't say exactly what I'm going to give my, I am a gorgeous pile of secrets award to the character and the universe and the time frame 
in which the characters, uh, the Savage Avengers crew, finds themselves by the end of this. Because I know you got a kick out of it, and it's, I, I'm excited to see where they go with this storyline. Me too. I wasn't expecting it to go there. But that makes for a fun story, I guess. Next up, we have Spider-Punk number five. And this is also another uh, end of an era. This is the last issue of this five-issue miniseries. And it is exactly what you would expect. It's a big final boss fight. Um, but I'm actually going to give my I'm a Gorgeous Pile of Secrets award to the five-page spread in the middle of this book that Justin Mason just absolutely crushes. It is so cool. And you don't get to see it until you're at the very end of the book where you can see the whole layout. But suffice to say, I'm definitely going to buy multiple copies of this issue just so I can lay all five of those pages out and potentially frame them because it is so cool you get to see the avengers all laid out and they're all attacking and they all connect and it is so badass such a cool way to end this book all right we've got some star wars issues this week star wars bounty hunters number 27 uh you got like this this wild like casino place club right outside a, a black hole all kinds of cool characters and big things but I want to give my I am a gorgeous pile of secrets here to a very realistic and earnest depiction of grief over the loss of a pet, which is, you know, for many of us who have pets, that's our family. Those are our the, the people we are often closest to. And there's a like a sequence in here where sort of reflecting on events from previous issue. And it is it's like, man, I, I feel this very mm -hmm. well. I thought Ethan Sachs nailed that moment perfectly ethan Sachs is killing it Saxy boy i love ethan <laughs> i've known him for a long time next up we have star wars obi-wan number five and i'm going to give my i am a gorgeous pile of secrets award to ben which is not only the title of the story but it is the main character of this whole series obviously we're finally breaking out of the the cave uh in which the series takes place in so we're following Ben as he tackles a new adventure in real time. Um, no more memories, no more past stories as he's recounting them in a journal. Um, this is happening in real time. So it's really fun to see old man Ben in action. Heck yeah. All right. Penultimate issue for this week is Venom number 10. There's a lot of places I can go to give my award. I'm going to give my I am a gorgeous pile of secrets award to Brian Hitch. Brian Hitch, you're coming in strong 10 issues deep consistently pulling big cool moments there's double these double page spreads there's one in here with this like where uh one of the characters is flying and there's this background and all this stuff and you've got giant hulking these symbiote creatures and really gnarly sympathetic looking uh terrified versions of the creatures all that said brian doing incredible work and then you've got the cerebral stuff that Al Ewing is putting into it and how this issue it is the weird Al Ewing yeah. stuff that you know and love. It is a it is like a you start to read it like a Mobius strip and you just realize like there's this the issue. The name of this issue is The Cage Opens. And I mm -hmm. want this to be like one of those things where someone reading it starts getting like realizing things as they're going through the issue and has that like that feeling of now the story is opening. The cage has opened. It rules. All right. Next up, we have X-Men 92 House of 92 issue number five. This is another uh, ending chapter for another miniseries. And this book has been such a, a wild and fun ride. Um, but I'm going to give my I'm a gorgeous pile of secrets award to 
it's one of those like document pages that like you know the x team uses in their books uh like the file pages but instead of it being like an actual like document it's a setup wizard for nimrod it looks like an, an old windows 98 like <laughs> pop-up bo- a block and it has yeah. like all these different options for the upgrade just chef's kiss i love it yeah all right over on the collection side of things this week a bunch of star wars uh and spider-man stuff uh, in particular a new printing for spider-verse stuff amazing spider-man uh, comics so definitely go check those out if you do not have them already yeah and then over in, on infinity comics we have brand new issues of x-men unlimited infinity comic number 53 avengers unlimited infinity comic number 12 which continues the iron trinity story that Dotan and Murwa are working on over there i've already read the first two issues the first two chapters or episodes of this book so much fun they just they nail these characters and their jokes are just so spot on we also have spider-verse unlimited infinity comic number 16 uh marvel's voices america infinity comics number 17 which if you haven't been reading just quick one-liner america chavez loki and hildegard all in weird world right now that doesn't get you then i don't know what else will because it is weird and awesome loving that book right now uh by juan Ponce. and then we also have Love Unlimited, Millie the Spy, Infinity Comic number 16, and It's Jeff, Infinity Comic number 16. All right, also hitting Marvel Unlimited, we've got the first issue of Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, which, so good. Um, Did you see that first page (laughs) of Sentinel of Liberty number one? Just hot, hot Steve Rogers in a hot, hot shower. Come on. Oh, yeah. So good. That's issue three or four, whatever we talked about last week. Um, this issue, this series is so great. Uh, definitely. If you have not started to read it yet, now's a great time to give it a sample on Marvel unlimited. Also, we've got Wolverine number 22 and X-Men red number three. And uh, those are, those are really good. So Jasmine, there are a bunch of issues hitting the Marvel comics app. So issues that people can buy individually, a lot of the Conan, the barbarian books from, you know, the, at this point, I think it's the early 80s um, hitting a lot of those. But three issues in particular I wanted to mention, which are hitting Marvel Comics, are three issues of the 1980s, 90s What If series. Issues uh, 20 and 21 are uh, I wanted to mention, which is uh, kind of like a two-parter. Well, the first one is What If Spider-Man Had Not Married Mary Jane? And then 21, What If Spider-Man Had Married Black Cat? Which is, I know, one that you... I want that. Yeah, well, you should go read it. It's great. But one of my all-time favorite comics, I still have my copy from being a child. Uh, what if Dazzler was the Herald of Galactus? No, but that issue is great. Uh, is. What if issue number 16, which is what if Wolverine battled Conan the Barbarian? My copy is so dog-eared and beat up in its bag and board from when I was a kid. I've read it so many times and it rules so hard. I, I always think about this one scene where Conan and Wolverine are fighting and Wolverine cuts off one of Conan's hands. Conan takes his arm, puts it in a like a thing of burning coals and cauterizes it and then keeps fighting. And then they get they get switched around in their times and the issue ends with Wolverine riding off with Red Sonja. I, I love this issue so much. But for now, let us be happy and content. We have Marvel Unlimited, including... The Infinity Comics, because that's where you can read our reading club for this week. Yeah, we're talking to Kenny Mura about Spider-Verse Unlimited Infinity Comics 
issues number seven through 14. So if you haven't read those, quick pause and go read those on Marvel Unlimited. They're absolutely amazing. Um, but it's a Penny Parker saga arc uh, within that Infinity Comics. So highly recommend Ken Murray's other work. He is such a great artist and writer and such a great person to talk to. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, Jasmine, we are rolling along more Spidey talk this week with a wonderful reading club we have with our guest, Ken Yamura, who is joining us to talk about Penny Parker after school and so much more. Hello, Ken. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me on. So excited. Um, for our listeners, can you tell us where you're calling in from? Yes, I'm in Tokyo at the moment. So um, probably like 12, 13 hours. <laughs> you know, that's the biggest like time difference. I can think of. So it's probably morning for you, evening for me here. Yeah, it is currently 8.30 a.m. for me. Oh, my God. So sorry to make, oh no. my God. Sorry to make you Worth wake it. up. Worth, it. Worth it. Yeah, well, thank you for, for staying up late with us and, and chatting about stuff. Before we get into talking about Penny Parker after school, um, where did you grow up? And, and did you read comics as a kid? And if so, where did you get them? So I grew up in, in Spain, actually. So my dad's Japanese, my mom's Spanish. I was born in Spain and uh, basically raised there. Or, although, you know, I would come to Japan every so often to visit family and, and see the country. So I've always been reading comics. Uh, I mean, when I mean comics, I mean comics in like the wider sense. So, you know, that includes like mangas for sure. Uh, tons of like European comics and some American comics uh, too, for sure. The thing with Spain is the market's very small, but somehow, I don't know why, like they managed to like publish tons of things from all over the world. Um, and then back then, we're talking about maybe, I don't know, 30 years ago, I would get my my dose of Japanese comics through my either family or I would go to Japanese school. So uh, we would exchange mangas over there. Used to kind of reading everything, you know, having like a, let's say, a very diverse diet of when it comes to comics. Uh, everything from European to, you know, comics and manga. The the other thing I wanted to ask, just in terms of your comics experience, growing up in Europe, and you, you talked about some of those European comics, did you get to like a certain point and, and you sort of like grow up into some of the more mature comics? I think it was, um, for example, like that transition in a way is done so much more uh, naturally, you would say in manga, where you just like naturally gravitate towards like older more mature books and then the things like i, I think I, I did read back in the day uh Mebius or jodorowsky or these people but like honestly i mean as much as i do like respect what they do uh it's not exactly the kind of like books i gravitate towards so there's a bunch of other european uh artists that came after Mebius and these people uh, i can think of for example like uh, there is a comic a french comic that's called the the dungeon i think the, the title would be the same for in, in, in english uh and it's done by uh two artists one's called uh john Sfar and the other one's uh louis trondheim um and it's funny because it's like uh, on the surface it looks like a children's book it's very cartoony and very colorful but like the the actual story that they're telling it's pretty mature 
thing that I find very fascinating with your work. Like I, I'm a huge fan of Umami. I actually reread it again to get prepared for this interview because I haven't read it since it first came out. And even just like reading it alongside this uh, Penny Parker, Spider-Man Unlimited uh, Infinity comic, like I realized like there's, it's clear that like, it's like one of those types of books that are very much for all ages, but can appeal to children, young children, um, but can really be consumed by anybody. And you can like pick up on other things that are kind of going on in the background. Um, and I'm curious, like where that stems from, like what, what types of things do you, do you, do you aim particularly to hit like that children's like uh, genre or are you looking for something like more wider? I think, you know, it probably has partly to do with like me growing up, for example, like um, watching like Miyazaki movies and stuff where, which were exactly that. It's like when I was a kid, I, I was able to understand part of it and I was fascinated by everything I could see. And now as an adult, I rewatch them and I see so many more things. And um, so oftentimes, rather than, let's say, restricting myself to being like, okay, so I'm going to make a YA book or a middle grade book, I really prefer just saying like all ages and making sure that, um, although sometimes that might mean, you know, maybe taking out some, I don't know, um, sexier scenes or, you know, more action, uh, violence, but, you know, I don't think I need it to like tell what I want to tell. So I really like that idea of like something that, you know, children and maybe adults can enjoy too. Um, I just wanted to echo the the thoughts and love for Umami. I devoured it yesterday, furiously finishing it. And my daughter was sitting next to me and she's she turns three real soon. And she's like, Daddy, what are you reading? And I showed it to her and she's like, hmm. And I felt like this is something I can we can read together in a couple of years it's there it's fun i like the characters a lot there's a lot of storytelling in there that i think she can connect to in really great ways um so yeah and then same thing with penny parker one of the things i really enjoyed about your uh penny parker story was kind of what you're saying like you don't have a lot of there wasn't a ton of stuff that you had to you know build upon or work around you could just do your story the way you wanted to and it didn't feel like you had to, or you you were trying to say, okay, here's all the Spidey elements and we have to put them in here. Here's like a bunch of Spidey villains and, and cast members. It was just like, I, I liked that you had Atomic Lizard and, and you know, the, the Doom character at the end. It's, they felt like they were just a natural part of the story without having to force like, this is the Goblin Man and this is you know, the, the, the venom bomb or whatever it is, which is or fine. The rhino when we with do the mustache. Those. Yeah. Rhino. Look, if you want rhino with a mustache, welcome to it. Uh, but it allowed for Penny's story and Penny's relationships with the, the various people around her to really blossom and grow. And I loved the hell out of it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, that's actually the part I, I think I enjoy the mo most about uh, this arc let's call it an art, an art for example, uh, that I made where, you know, I read the two issues that we had and, you know, I felt basically I, I was like, if I were a reader, uh, would there be anything that I wouldn't understand about the character just by reading the, the two issues that we had? And there were a number of like small questions. I was like, so what's her relation with her deceased father or uh, how does her daily life look like? Or, you know, there were like just small things. And so I, I was like, I'm just going to try to make um a mini series that would at least just answer of those questions and just like let's say level the ground so that 
after that, you know, more stories can, you know, come without anyone having those questions like, wait, but like, how does it work? Or why does she feel that way or the other? And, um, and it goes the same for Umami where the, my most like favorite part where actually the, the calmness or the more, or the more like quiet moments, uh, where they were just like maybe two characters and just like, you know, talking or something. And this is a segue, but I, I've been doing like yoga for some time. Uh, so yoga, I mean, you do a number of poses and then like at the end, maybe you have like five minutes where you just like take some rest. I mean, you're just like laying down and you, I, I normally just like fall asleep. And I heard somebody tell me like, well, actually, you know, the thing with yoga is like the important part are those like five minutes at the end. That's the real part of yoga. And all you're doing at the beginning is just like getting ready for that. And I have the impression that both in Umami and uh, Penny Parker, uh, you could say in a way that the, the action scenes uh, or the more dynamic parts were just like something to prepare yourself or prepare the reader for the quieter parts where the, the real feelings of the characters were showing. I love that you say that because it makes it makes a lot of sense. And there are a lot of moments too in, in both Umami and Penny Parker where like there's not a whole lot of action happening, but it just like, like you said, like it's all that buildup that, that has happened and you get to take this moment of just pure reflection and be like, oh yeah, this character has been going through a lot of stuff or like this is, you know, all the stuff that's going on in order to get to this moment. I, I think like, honestly, like, you know, I've been reading comics for, for a long time and uh, I would say that's one of the good things that probably like the influence of manga has had in like comics where, you know, that's kind of like allowed, let's say, people to be like, okay, it's okay if we slow down and just like let the character breathe. Because um, I do remember, for example, even reading like Tintin or stuff like that. Uh, let's say they're like they're like super fun adventure, adventure stories, but like I always ask myself like, but how does Tintin feel? Like, is he happy? Maybe he's just like oh, I just want to be home, and he doesn't want to be there, and we'll never know because you know we never slow down. Yeah, this is something Jasmine and I have talked about a bunch of times on the show. Some of my favorite Marvel comics are the epilogue, quote unquote, issues or the the cool down issues. You know, after a big event when everything has gone wrong and they save the universe, and, and you, uh, there's one in particular I think of for the X Men, which is the the issue after Executioner's song, where they've gone through all this drama and all this chaos and and loss and love and and, and revelations, and the issue is mostly about Professor Xavier and Jubilee talking and and as he is losing the ability to walk again, and Rogue and Gambit sort of like coming together and beast and and like just various characters talking and dealing with what's gone on and i think that provides such an, an important part for why we love these characters why we connect to them and you mentioned chapters four and five of penny parker after school those are the ones that stick with me the most i love the action i love the fast moments but her on the roof thinking about her dad and having to write that story and and when her uncle like connects with the the beret and they they had this moment like that to me is I, I could eat that up for, you know, 20 issues of, of those characters having conversations and moments and, and really getting into the feelings. I think we need that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you were able to do those pieces within this larger superhero story. Yeah, I think it's also like the advantage of uh, web. Uh, let's call it a web comic for instance, compared to like a, a monthly comic where, you know, if you've been waiting for a whole month, 
uh, for your next issue, then it's in a way you're like you'd better deliver in a way. Uh, and with the you know web comic because it's uh, weekly and and I mean and, and also for example like uh, this one. Uh, so for Penny Parker, I was just like envisioning people reading them on their phone. I might be wrong. People might be reading them on their laptop or tablet. I don't know, but like on the phone somehow. Yeah, right. I got it on my tablet. I I'll be honest. I switched from my tablet to my phone because I I liked that that it was like more intimate and more like smaller. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and and I don't know. Like I I made it having the phone in mind somehow. Even the the amount of like detail I added on the panels and everything. And um and, and like you say, like it's a it's in a way like a more intimate thing. So. That too, I think, allowed. I mean, rather than say going to the comic shop and buying your comic, you've been waiting for a month. It's like no, it's just happening at the same level as a YouTube video or something else, and that allows you to because it's weekly to have more small moments in there. I think. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about, Ken, is like I, Ryan. I'm really glad that you brought up the uncle and like the beret story because that one stuck with me the most out of all of this. But I, I think the other thing I wanted to kind of tie it back to was what you were saying about making that connection between adults and children. And I think that I found very fascinating in, in some of your work is that like, in, including Penny Parker after school, is that like, yes, you have the main character who is like the child, um, but like you do have these other characters that are the adults and like they also carry a story and they're much more complex stories um, like in here, you see, you know, Uncle Ben, who is dealing with someone or, or like a, like essentially adopted a child um, and is grieving because his brother passed away, but also like has to, you know, play this fatherly role and like has to live up to it. But also like there's a love story mixed into it. Like I can I can immediately picture like when you were talking about like reading Bedside um, to like a child, like reading one of these stories to a child, I can immediately see like, you know, the kid just gravitating to Penny, but like an adult like really connecting with you know what's going on with with uncle ben and like really like almost like because i found myself rooting for him at the end when you know you get to that love story at the end and i'm like oh like that's really cute like i don't know if a kid would necessarily pick up on that during their first read but like i can see there being like you know a little bit more world building going on there and i really really adored that yeah thank you and yeah like i, I tried to make it's funny for example like a, a comic i did long time ago that's called i kill giants uh, i did it with joe kelly that's you know maybe have never heard of him before uh super nice guy and um <laughs> and i remember that we made that one in my mind it was going to be for adults i was like no this is an adult comic and then somehow um somewhere i don't remember where exactly but like somebody put it on like a, the best i mean whatever like ya comics of the year or whatever and i was like oh so so we made a YA book. I, I wasn't aware of that. I, I was like, no, we're just making something for adults. Uh, but then apparently, you know, it was YA. And I do like bearing in mind younger readers, but when you step in, into their shoes and you're looking at the world through their point of view, the world is so much more complex than, than you know, it seems. Uh, but at the same time, when you're making a book for that audience, I mean, in this case, because it's a, more, a, a little bit more... Uh, intentional it's like it's a complex world but it's a world where you as a kid or you know as that like uh, main character that's a younger main character you still have some agency over what's happening around you 
I want to talk about the format a little bit because uh, this is part of our Infinity Comics line, which is uh, exclusive to Marvel Unlimited. The original presentation is this scrolling vertical format that we have on MU. Did that change the way you you thought about how you were gonna you would tell a story like this, or did that help you lean into things? I mean, how did what did that format, which is also sort of a little bit more narrow, a little less opportunity to use different panel formats, I guess. There's stuff about this that sort of change, I would imagine, changes the way one approaches creating comics. I work, I don't do um, um, a script. I work the Japanese way, which is like I do the storyboards. And on the storyboards, I put the text and I, and let's say I, I work uh, words and images at the same time. Uh, because like, you know, comics are comics. So it's easier if you think about everything at once. It's a little bit more complex, but at the end of the day, it's easier. And so what sometimes happens is that you're, you have a page and it's, it works perfectly. And then Sandra's like, oh, but I need one extra panel. How the hell do you fit in one specific page, one panel, where, when sometimes maybe there's just no space or it's just going to destroy your composition, which was until then perfect or everything. And you have to, well, you know, sometimes, most of the times you have to make a choice and, you know, you have to live with that. The good thing about doing a webcomic um, so vertical scroll reading is that if you want to add a panel, no problem whatsoever. And that's been great because like oftentimes there were moments where I, I did this whole the, the storyboard and then my editor, Ellie, would be like, ah, oh, we need this, we need that. And I was like, no problem. We'll just put two extra panels here or we're going to take out this panel. It doesn't work for us anymore. And so the editing part was so, so great working on, on there because I, um, the length was never a, a problem. Um, so um, I think I've drawn more panels. I, I didn't count them, but I have the impression I've drawn more than I, <laughs> this is a super stupid thing to say, but like, uh, I, I wouldn't say numbers, but like, I mean, because it's done by the panel, we, instead of like being like, okay, you're going to have to 20 pages. It's like, well, you're going to draw this number of, uh, panels. I think I've drawn more than I I was hired for. But I was like, if it reads better, I'm gonna put the panel in, if, even though it, it means more work for me. But it's like, I'm here to tell a story and I'm here to tell it properly. Just hope that people just take away that oh, it's kind of like an easy to read comic. And I before I realized, I just got to the end of the chapter and it was so, so much fun. That'd be all. But like behind that, for me, it was the architecture. You could say it's like I'm just gonna make things super simple and have like a I don't know, straight line of information in the center. So play the most simple way I, I could, because like it's a very rich uh, medium, you know, the, the one of web comics. I don't master it in much uh, yet. So I hope to, or I thought, you know, I, I would just like uh, try to make it like hassle free for, for myself. Like you, you say it's simple, but I think it also complements your storytelling and the way that you like draw and like, it's gorgeous. It's also very just pretty to look at. And that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, we've been talking about like the architecture and the, and, and the, the actual writing of the story, but you also drew the story and we haven't really gotten to talk to you about your, your artwork and your style. And like, based off of what you've told us about, like, like the stuff that you've grown up reading and, and watching, like, I can see all those things. Like I can see the Miyazaki influences and I can see the like manga influences, but I'm, I'm really curious, like in one, what, what your process is when you're drawing, like, do you do everything digitally or like, how do you like? I'm I'm very curious about this storyboarding thing because I think that that's very fascinating. 
but I just want to know more about your your technique and style. Right. So um, storyboards, I do them on on the computer because that's just easier. So that means probably Photoshop file uh, because then it's easier to manipulate and you know cut and paste and add here. Um, so what I usually do is like I just like start, let's say writing or drawing but you know it's like i, I write ha i hand write, write the text and do like do those uh, super simple ones and then once i've done like the first draft then i go back and then you know do a cut of what i have part of the process is just like going through those storyboards and trying to imagine how people would read them so i'm super happy that you're telling me that you like the art so <laughs> thank you so very much for that adore it uh, but at the same time, for me, the most important part, it's more than what's on the paper or on the panel or the screen. It's more like what people are going to imagine on their in their head. All those lines. Um, I would just ask, be asking me myself, asking myself like all the time, like, why am I adding these many lines if I can have that with one simple line, right? So it's more about like, you know, which would be the most simple way to just tell what I'm trying to to tell honestly i tell myself like i should be doing everything digitally from the beginning because like that'd be easier and then actually no i do it by hand so i do the storyboards digitally and then i wow i draw everything so uh, the line art that you see on the on the comic it's all done with pencil actually and then wow. i scan it and then i color it which doesn't make sense because like i could probably get the same results with photoshop or clip studio uh, easier, but um, there's something about like I don't know uh, working with a uh, like a pencil, not even a pen, a pencil. I'm just so used to that everything just flows super well for me. So what would be the pencils on a normal comic? Uh, I do them instead of with a pencil, I do them with a blue pencil, and then instead of the inks, uh, what I do is like ink it with a with a pencil and then uh, scan it. You must go through a lot of paper. Yeah, well, the, the uh, like the stacks of paper, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> um, but there's something, frankly, about like the pencil that I love so much. I don't know. It's funny. Like I have been looking for a long time for like, shall, shall I buy an iPad Pro or not, whatever. And I I've tried everything, and I love them all. Like they're super good devices. But at the end of the day, I was like, frankly, pencil is just so uh, versatile. Like. You cannot replicate the definition that you get on a real paper when you look at it with your own real eyes. Let's say uh, it's it's you just see more. It's it just allows me to go much faster, and that that kind of translates into like a much more fluid art, which is ultimately what I'm looking for. I also love your colors, the color palette, especially of this series, that you know pastel and and I think it fits the world and the character so well in that. You, you've built the world and the character. One feeds the other. Everything sort of comes together. It's warm and it fits Penny so well, which I think is, is an important part of, of this story and why I, I connected with it so much. Thank you so much. Um, super happy to hear that. Um, the, you know, the color palette is actually probably no more than 10 colors, I would say. I mean, there are, of course, like tons of like nuances here and there, but like, I just restricted the palette to like 10 or so. And I was like, I'm just going to try to color everything with these colors. And whenever I don't, I cannot do that, then, you know, I'll, I'll go and choose other ones. But again, it was more about like 
limiting the options and trying to get the most out of them. Ken, I hope we get more Penny Parker comics by you. I need to know how the relationship flourishes between Uncle Ben and Miss Claire. There's just like the, yes. there's a couple of lines in there. And then that little scene at the end where they're just eating the family, they're, they're eating together. It's like, I want more. I want more, more, oh, more. So hopefully we see more from you in the future. Ken, this was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And um, yeah, I hope to be back. I hope, you know, I'll be back soon. And which would mean that maybe, you know, we've been able to make some more comics with the character. That'd be great. That would be great. All right. Big thank you once again to Ken Yamura, uh, who was wonderful and uh, was just made some really damn great Penny Parker comics. Hope everybody checks those out uh, and read some more of Ken's work because it's really good. All right. That wraps it up for us. That's the show. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Kara McGurk-Allison. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List senior manager of audio production and development. And um, he is a tiny, quivering pile of secrets. Not a gorgeous pile, just a tiny little one. It's because no one trusts him with their secrets. I wouldn't trust him, would you? No, not, not at all. Mm-mm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. This is Marvel. Your universe.